This is an ABC podcast. Parenting is so hard and it is unrelenting. I did have to apologise to my son after because I just felt so terrible. I shouldn't be reaching these levels of anger in motherhood. Sometimes I just wanted to run away and hide. How familiar does that sound? Do you ever wake up and think, I'm not sure I can do this today, I am so weary and I'm tired of parenting. My patience isn't just low, it's totally non-existent. Parenting is an endless, never-ending hamster wheel of repetitive chores, demands and mess. How do you know this overwhelming sense of stress hasn't tipped into something more serious? I'm Maggie Dent, and I'm a parenting author, and I raised four very busy boys. So I know all about the stresses and strains of parenthood. On this, Parental as Anything, we're talking about something that so many of us have probably experienced, even if you've never heard of it. Parental burnout. Parental burnout isn't just a bad day or two, and it's not depression either. In fact, it's not even technically a medical condition. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't take it seriously. Helene Gatland is a French psychologist and family coach who specialises in parental burnout. She's in the thick of parenting herself with a brand new baby. And yes, I haven't had a lot of sleep, but a lot of smiles. <laughs> <laughs> Helene, what causes parental burnout? Yes, so there is a lot of societal pressure on parents, a lot. And any pressure equals stress, and parental burnout is a stress syndrome. So your cortisol levels are much higher. And cortisol is a hormone that fuels anger in yourself. Oh yeah, I know all about cortisol. <laughs> so parents that are even really against being violent, they cannot control themselves because of this hormone. They are very different to who they want it to be, so they are ashamed of themselves. The thing is, burnout isn't actually a mental illness. It's characterised as a workplace phenomenon. It's extreme workplace stress that's going unmanaged. Why is it happening to parents? Because they're not really in a workplace, are they? The research only began in 2017 and they actually looked into work burnout and one of them just got a baby like me. <laughs> and, and she said to one of her colleagues, is that not something like parental burnout? Because I'm fine at work, but not at home. They looked into the symptoms of work burnout and try to realize if they could apply to the parenting sphere. And what they found out is, yes, most of the symptoms are the same, except one, the emotional distancing. So when you are a, a worker, the emotional distancing is much more than when you are a parent. Parents are still able to love their children. Okay, give us the symptoms. What are the symptoms of parental burnout? Usually the first symptom to appear is the exhaustion from the parental role. It's not 
being a little tired during the day. It's a massive exhaustion. The second one is the overload and loss of pleasure from parenting. And they are overwhelmed. Like you suddenly feel like you don't like your child anymore or you just want to run away to an island somewhere and never come back. That's right, yes. So you're still in love with your child, but yes, you begin (laughs) to feel like you're not there anymore. It's the third symptom too. It's the emotional distancing from their children. So this feeling of not being really in love with them anymore. So it's a bit like having a completely empty cup. Some days you can put something into it, but some days the very thought of giving to that cup makes you weary. But you're a parent, so you still have to deliver from an empty cup. That's right. Some days you are okay and some days you are not. It's about the frequency of the symptoms. So you are not in parental burnout all the time, but how often do you feel like you wake up in the morning and you don't have anything to give to your children anymore? Is it once a month, once a week? So depending on how often you feel these symptoms, you will be more at risk of parental burnout. I'm not just tired, I'm angry, I'm upset. It's an emotional kind of roller coaster that goes with it. It's not just, oh, I need to have a lie down. It's, I'm really struggling just to kind of hold thoughts and get through the day. I'm not enjoying my child. And that sounds so horrible and you feel so terrible, but it's truth. Sometimes the pressure isn't even coming from other people. It's your own self-talk about needing to do it better, being perfect, beating yourself up with guilt and getting through that endless to-do list. So I remember one day I was busy folding up all the clothes at the home and then I had this light bulb moment that it was taking an hour every day. I thought, that's a big chunk of my day. Fortunately, I had a spare single bed. I threw the clean washing on the bed, told them they had to find their own. It became a lucky dip bed. When I got my hour back, what I did was make a cuppa and I quietly went out into my garden. I love being outside. Sat down with my two dogs and I just chilled. This is so good (laughs) that you say that. Firstly, you lower your expectations. Yeah, lower the bar. (laughs) So take the stressor away and you have added more resources, which is um, looking at your dog and all of that. So yeah, well done on doing this. So you didn't need to learn it, you just did it. (laughs) We know, even though dads are turning up in droves to be team parents, we know it's mainly women who are the primary carers of our kids. So... How is parental burnout different for dads? Do dads experience it? Twice as many women as men experience parental burnout. So you're correct. This is probably due to the fact that women still carry 70% of the family mental charge. So I think we are in a time where we share more what we do, but not the mental charge yet. However, what is interesting to note is that men are more prone to parental burnout. And once in parental burnout, the risk of child neglect is higher for men than women. So we shouldn't not think about the men in parental burnout. They actually need our help too. And so this is without saying that we need to change the way we raise our boys to help them to be more resilient as fathers. So they are not sure exactly why, but when we have boys playing, we don't teach them 
really as well as our little girls to care about babies and household and all that kind of stuff. If I could turn the internet off sometimes, I really wish I could. I had this high expectation on myself. Maintaining a house in what I thought and felt was a presentable manner. My partner worked in a diesel workshop, so everything around him was always dirty. So he had this expectation when he came home that everything would be tickety-boo. But of course, having two children under four was really, really challenging. And it just all got too much. Okay, back in the olden days, really it was the 80s and 90s when I was a mum of young kids, there was genuinely much more of a sense of a real village. We shared our kids, you know, we went shopping, you know, you dropped in for a coffee without needing to let them know you're coming. What I'm finding is when I talk to parents today, many feel that they're in a silo and an isolation, that, you know, it's, it's not the village anymore. Have we forgotten the old adage that it actually takes a village to raise a child? That's right. And actually, it's really interesting because um, the researchers, they managed to get data from 42 countries around the world. And what they found out is that when a culture um, has a culture of raising a child in a network or in a village, as we were saying, then parental burnout is extremely low or even inexistent. Yeah. So unfortunately, Australia has very individualistic values and so there is more burnout in Australia. Let's be honest, a village can make a difference, especially when it's positive, (laughs) non-judgmental and it has a sense of humour, seriously. One day we decided that we would get together and cook and we would each bring five recipes and all the ingredients and then we would send those home and put them in the freezer and we would then have ready-cooked meals. And that was honestly one of the biggest lifesavers that I had during that time because we got to hang out and we got to try different food that I never would have normally tried. We also embarked on cleaning days as well. So once a month or so, we'd have a deep clean day. All those jobs that I hated doing and procrastinated doing, I would save them up and we would do them together and chat. So it was kind of like a a psych appointment at the same time, as well as getting all these jobs done. Now, we know that women are conditioned to think that we're the ones who need to be caring for the children, caring for their partners and putting our own needs last. So how do we treat parental burnout, especially for mummies? One of the big things in the treatment is to work towards not feeling guilty anymore and also to work towards understanding that you need to care about yourself first before you can care about the others, which is extremely hard for most parents. Oh, it triggers enormous guilt that you're failing in some way as a mother, isn't it? If I'm I'm asking for help, then that means I'm failing. And then that triggers a whole nother layer of, of distress, doesn't it? Exactly. So asking for help is actually not as easy as we think. And there are a lot of reasons why people don't ask for help. So the first thing to do is realising why. Why are you not asking for help? Is it because you think you're failing? Is it because you think you have no one that can help you, then we try to realize, okay, 
who can, are you comfortable asking for help? What are you comfortable asking them for help? Could you ask more from them? Could you ask different things? And then we work into creative ways to ask for help from different people around them. I think that's brilliant. I definitely burned out raising four sons, running my husband's business, volunteering, coaching basketball, and of course, being the president of whatever parent body was around, right? And I had a really big wake-up call, and I'm sure you've experienced this with your work, and that's that I got the nastiest bout of mumps imaginable, and it knocked me sideways. And I had to ask for some help, not just from my friends, but from others. And then I realised, you know what? I'm the one who turns up when others are struggling. It's okay for me to be vulnerable and to struggle. And um, that was a really big wake-up call. Do you find sometimes a health crisis is a wake-up call? Yes, there are some parents who have health crises and there are also parents that are, and that's more often, that are doing stuff with their children that they would never have think they would ever do. Screaming, hurting. What I see often is actually parents coming to me and saying, oh my gosh, I've done something to my child that I'm so ashamed of. And not saying that they've done something really wrong because there are parents that have such high standards of themselves that sometimes it's just they scream more often. I'm concerned that there will be some parents out there who don't have the means to be able to seek professional help that costs money. So can we give a bit of a shout out to those parenting hubs and communities and centres that do offer free support. So there's so much you can do. There's so much help for free out there. And one of the great stuff about the parental burnout uh, Facebook group I run is we often say to each other what's free around there. So for example, grandmothers who are volunteering to help new mothers in some place in Australia. Now, while a lot of social media can add stress onto burnt out parents, There are some seriously positive aspects of social media. It can connect parents to support and it can connect them with each other, especially those going through the same kind of sense of overwhelm. Now, remember Anna, who was struggling with her anger and overwhelm since becoming a mum? Well, she's joined Helene's Parental Burnout Facebook group and it wasn't easy at first, but it did help. The first time I was added into the parental burnout Facebook group. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I was a bit like, who thinks I can't handle this? I was very offended, but it's owning it and putting your hand up and saying, I I can't do this. I do need help. And then when someone can validate it for you and say, well, no, this is a thing. You're not alone. A lot of people go through this. It's just the awareness that needs to be around it. So you don't feel like you're failing slash losing your mind. Now, many parents, particularly women, get told to prioritise self-care, and we've already touched on it. We're wired to think it's a sign of weakness. I prefer to call it self-nurturing. What does it mean for someone in real burnout? Because a bubble bath or a massage for someone in burnout isn't really going to do an awful lot. I really love the way you said it. That's exactly right. (laughs) So many parents get told, like, you have to. I personally believe uh, self-care or self-nurturing is something that nurtures you. And so it's not something that you have to do. When I have parents coming to see me, I often find it quite interesting that they say, 
Ah, oh, I'm so stressed because I couldn't walk this morning. I couldn't get to yoga. I couldn't. <laughs> is it because you couldn't go to yoga and yoga could have helped you? Or is it because you put it in your to-do list and couldn't do it? And then failed. And then the failed. Yeah. And often it's both, but we really need to work towards, okay, if I can do it, that's okay. And I'm just going to nurture myself with something smaller. Just trying to give themselves a small time, like only five minutes, yeah. not a big thing, but really doing it for themselves. What if someone's listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, this is me. Help. What are some of the things I can do right away? So already, if you think this is me, you are probably in parental burnout and often this is a first really important step in the recovering, like knowing that you are in parental burnout, knowing that you are not alone, knowing that there is support available. Sometimes it's enough. So there are a few tips that I can give also to parents. The first one will be trying to find support in their family and community. So really trying to be creative and trying to look for ways around you that can be different. So for an example on that is... One of the dad was saying that he was really missing having time with his wife. Yeah. And what he created, he was a group with his school where he said, you have one weekend away with your wife alone and we care about your children. And you have one weekend when you care about another family children when we have a time alone. I've heard of it before with tribes of families who really, you know, all sharing their absolutely brilliant idea that you can just, even just a long date night with a sleepover. Amazing. That's right. Another tip is the acceptance of being good enough. And that was last century and it was Winnicott who found out that being a good enough parents was better than being yeah. a perfect parent. <laughs> the sooner you embrace it, seriously. <laughs> yeah. And because being perfect is impossible and we want children to role model how we deal with mistakes. And the last thing, removing the guilt that was associated with self-care. Like in an airplane, in an airplane you put your mask on before yeah. caring about others and same in your life, like really thinking about yourself first. And if you're thinking, wow, that's my partner, or if you're a grandparent and you think, wow, that's my daughter or my son, what's the first thing they should do in supporting that person? The first thing is probably to gently check on the mental health of the person. When we are in a difficult stage in our, with our mental health, often we are quite defensive. So you need to be very gentle with the way you are going to say, how are you? How are you feeling? Do you think you need help? But the biggest thing is to help. Ask the person, what is something that is taking you so much time during the day and that you do not enjoy? And try to take it away from them and do it for them. So some of my top tips around avoiding parental burnout is if you have a co-parent, have some really clear, honest conversations about how to share the load and maybe write them down because sometimes we forget things. And then lower that bar. Relax your standards and expectations. Does it really matter if the onesies over the top of the leggings? Lower that perfectionism bar and aim for good enough. Check your to-do list and do some culling. It was one thing I needed to learn. For solo parents, yes, the challenge can be harder. However, you won't have to argue with a co-parent about how your expectations are around your home. 
Sometimes you actually are given more resources within the family because your kids just simply have to step up. And please, gather yourself a mob and a tribe around you. We all need that support. Create your own village. If there are grandparents, aunties, best friends or neighbours out there and you've been listening to this thinking, gosh, I think so-and-so is in the thick of this, please offer to give them a break. I know it sounds really simple. One night off, amazing, or a day can be a huge tonic. Once again, we're looking at lowering that cortisol and giving them a bit of a rest. Finally, if you're struggling, please reach out. Help-seeking behaviour is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. Maybe have a chat with a health professional. Do a mental health assessment with your GP because parental burnout can become very serious. And remember, there's always good quality fruit and nut chocolate (laughs) because technically it's a health food. And listen, I know we are a podcast, but can we be our own little village right now? I want to ask you, the Parental as Anything Village of Support, what are your best parenting shortcuts? Like my Lucky Dip Bed, I want to hear about the one thing that you do to make the day just a little less demanding. Pistachios, on a car trip specifically, yeah, they're going to make a complete mess of the back seat. Still, that's a sweet, sweet time to yourself. I'm the kiss and go line mum. I pick up my kid last from daycare at five to six every night. Wheat Bix is a perfectly acceptable dinner. Swimming lessons in a chlorinated pool, that counts as a shower. Tell me your best parenting hack or shortcut, because we're going to compile them into one big episode so we can all help each other. Send them to me at parentalasanything at abc.net.au. Next time, do you have a kid that just won't shut up? I'm beginning to find it stressful, often exhausting to get other things done whilst trying to actively listen and respond to the constant chatter. (laughs) You can find it in the Parental as Anything feed on the ABC Listen app. This episode of Parental as Anything was recorded and produced on Gadigal, Larrakia and Combermary country. Hi there, I'm Virginia Trioli, host of You Don't Know Me, the podcast in which I ask some of Australia's best-known names seven big questions. Together, we'll get to know guests like Tim Minchin, Kate Zebrano, Ernie Dingo and the one and only Maggie Dent. Something cracked inside me. It was like, oh my God, there's nothing good about me. So follow You Don't Know Me now on the ABC Listen app so you don't miss a thing.